This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, April 23rd, 2023. First responders, Nicodemus. Six hundred and thirteen. I had six hundred and thirteen rules to follow. Can you imagine that? Can can you even understand how many that is? And and, and I, I knew every one of them, and I followed them, mostly. So there I am, sitting across from Jesus. And he looks at me and says, Nicodemus, It's not about the rules. (laughs) I'm I'm paraphrasing him, but essentially that's what he's saying. It's it's not about the rules. Not about the rules. Look at this from from my perspective. Um, I'd seen him come in the day before, and, and, and he had turned the temple upside down. This is the place, mind you, that that I'd spent my life preserving. So you can imagine how much I wanted to have a talk with him in a secluded place at nighttime. How would you feel if someone, someone said to you, someone you respected, they tell you that Everything that you'd dedicated your life to had missed the mark completely. You're a fool. That's how you feel. So I said something to him. One rule that seems too good to be true because it was. Believe he's the Messiah. Believe he's the one that was promised. And and he said it like he just glazed over it like it was some simple thing and then went on talking about good and evil and and I'm thinking, wait, go back, go back to where you took what was so complicated and made it not complicated. My whole life was in those complications. My, my religion was in those complications. Making sure to follow the details of the law. I made sure that every T was crossed. I thought that is what was going to save me. 613 laws. I was wrong. It was love that saved me. For God so loved 
Good morning, Connection Church. Welcome. Welcome at home. Welcome here in the sanctuary. It's just a glorious day to be part of God's creation. Amen. 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 So today we'll, is our second week of our series, First Responders. Good morning, Con- Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks for joining us online. I know we have a number of families who are on the ball fields right now, and I know that you're watching, so we're we're glad that we have that technology where we can still um, get our worship in. It's important. I want to say welcome to Esselie's family. We're so glad that you're joining us and that you can experience her home. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes, they've come a long way to be with us. What, Jamaica? Jamaica. To New York to here, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. All right, let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. It is such a beautiful day, and we are grateful that we can come together and worship you together to lift your name on high to praise you and now settle us in right here in this holy place in this sanctuary and wherever we are at home um, out and about that we might have some focus on you lord we thank you and praise you today and all days in jesus name everybody agreed and said Amen. Amen. So first responders, as we said last week, first responders, you know, we hear about them all the time on the news, those responding to accidents, uh, disasters, medical emergencies, crime, fire, terrorist attacks, include the police, uh, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, but they they also include like the National Guard, American Red Cross, uh, government agencies like public health. FEMA, Samaritan's Purse, you know, uh, Franklin Graham, we're going to, on May 2nd, he has a, that there's, you know, first planes in there with, with stuff, you know, um, various hotlines and more. We were, we were supposed to have a, a state police officer here this morning out front in the car to talk to you and answer questions, but unfortunately he called me, or he texted me yesterday to tell me he wasn't feeling well and would not be able to make it, so... Anyway, maybe next time. We're so grateful for all first responders. And if that is you or has been you, thank you so much. First responders. Well, today we aren't looking at the typical kind of first responder. We're looking at first responders that we find in God's word, in the Bible. They are people who weren't afraid to respond or show up, even if it was challenging, even if it might be even a little bit dangerous. Now, last week, our focus was on, do you remember who we talked about? Mary Magdalene. That's exactly right. Mary Magdalene was our first first responder. She was the first one at the tomb following the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today, our focus is on a guy named Nicodemus. Say Nicodemus. Wasn't that an awesome video? Oh my gosh, it just really captured my attention, and it was great. Anyway, our focus is on Nicodemus, who was a first responder a couple of times to Jesus and what Jesus had to share. Hmm. So on three different occasions, uh, we, we read where John 
who wrote this gospel, the Gospel of John, speaks of Nicodemus by name. And the first is found in chapter 3 of the book of John, verses 1 to 2. This is the New Living Translation. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee. What is a Pharisee? A Pharisee was part of a brotherhood, and there were a lot of them. Some 6,000 who had taken a pledge in front of three witnesses that they would spend all of their lives observing every detail of the law. The law was the first books, the first five books of the Bible. A lot of rules and regs. And they thought that that would help them live the good life, that they were following God. They changed God's simple laws. They changed them into a more complex, legalistic set of rules and regulations. For example, there is a law, you know, no work shall be done on the Sabbath. You know, we need to keep the Sabbath holy. Well, they morphed that into even tying a knot on a shoe was work. And so they just kept piling and piling and piling on these rules as they interpreted the scripture. And so we have this guy, Nicodemus. He was not only a Pharisee, you know, the letter of the law, but he was a member of the Jewish ruling council called the Sanhedrin. And so this was his whole life. His whole life was involved in holding the law, keeping the law, the letter of the law, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, and making sure everybody else did as well. And so from our reading in John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 there, we see that one night he made a visit to Jesus. And we have to ask ourselves, what made him do that? What would cause this high-ranking Jewish guy, this Pharisee, this member of the Sanhedrin, to go to Jesus one-on-one? -on -one? What had picked his interest? Perhaps part of his Pharisee duties, part of his Sanhedrin duties, included being out and about, keeping tabs on the rank-and-file Jews, keeping check on how well they were keeping the law, how, how they were observing the rules of Sabbath and the like. Perhaps he was there when John was baptizing down at the river, and he, he caught wind of what John was saying about Jesus, saying that he, John, wasn't even worthy to tie the sandals of Jesus. Perhaps he had seen Jesus in action. Just the chapter before chapter 2, here in the book of John, we read where Jesus was at a wedding with his mother and the disciples, and he had changed water into wine, his first miracle there at that wedding. Maybe Nick was there and saw that. Perhaps he was there later in that same chapter 2, in the temple courts, when, when Jesus found that the people were overcharging others while selling cattle, sheep, and, 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 and doves for temple sacrifice, how they were overcharging as they did money exchange for the local currency, as Jesus said, turning his father's house into a den of thieves. 
Whatever the reason, Nicodemus was a first responder. And he was coming at night, affirming that Jesus was a teacher from God, that Jesus was saying things that only God was, would know. And so Nicodemus knew there was something different. But we have to ask, why did he come at night? Well, maybe he was super busy and he, that was when his time was. Maybe he thought he would have some uninterrupted time since it wasn't so busy. What I think is that he wanted to visit Jesus in the dark of the night so that he wouldn't be identified, so that he wouldn't be seen, that they could talk privately. Something was stirring up in Nicodemus, and he wanted to talk to Jesus about this. Mm. Whatever the reason, uh, Nicholas was, he was putting himself in a position to basically question all that he knew, uh, all that he stood for, all that he cherished. Have you ever been there? Uh, We have, maybe not to the extent of Nicodemus, but we have. It's not easy. When we went to seminary, there was some challenge. Um, Seminary we went to, Wesley Seminary, they're, they're, they were a little more uh, progressive than we were uh, at the time. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, it was a little bit tough. Uh, we, we were asked things and, you know, had to figure out what we truly believed and why we believed. And in, in some cases, we, we made changes in what we believed because, you know, with the information. In other cases, we, we held even more firmly to what we believed. And it was good. It was good to question it because... Well, when we got all done, we knew why we believed what we believed and we held firmly to it. That being said, it wasn't necessarily easy. <laughs> it was a little unsettling, and a little, a little scary at times to really closely examine what you believe and why you believe it, but it's also important. In fact, it's crucial, isn't it? Absolutely. So I just have to ask Pastor Barb, did you have that same experience? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were at seminary just at different times, but we both went. Same thing. And it's important. It really is important to dig in, to dig deep, to pray, to pray. Well, um, let's look again at what Nicodemus said to Jesus and then how Jesus replied. We are looking at John chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, You cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? So now Jesus takes this conversation, which is here, and he brings it over here, a whole new direction. Uh, You know, uh, completely away from what Nicodemus, where he was, you know, he would have been talking about how Jesus was a, a teacher from God and how he couldn't do the things he did if God were not with him. And Jesus gives him this whole new thing to think about, this born again? What's that all about? Born again? But this isn't unusual for Jesus, is it? 
It's not unusual. Remember the woman at the well? Read about, we read about her a couple chapters, uh, next chapter, next chapter in John, chapter 4. She's drawing water, and, and Jesus asks for a drink. And the next thing he's talking about is living water, and how if she asked him for it, she'd never be thirsty again. It's like, hello? What are you talking about, living water? Yeah. Four chapters later, chapter 8. Uh... A woman caught in adultery is thrown out in the street, and again, Jesus turns things upside down, telling those who are there ready to stone her to death that that would be fine, but the one who's without sin be the first one to cast the first stone. (laughs) And they one by one leave, and then he says to her that he's not there to condemn her either. What? She's always being condemned. What's this? 180 degrees. This is crazy. This is new. She's not used to being uncondemned. (laughs) See, Jesus turned things upside down, turns them inside out. He gives new meaning to old concepts. Born again. Jesus is talking about the spiritual. Nicodemus is talking about the physical. How can I go back into my mother's womb? Jesus is talking about the heavenly. Nicodemus is talking about earthly. How in the world does this happen? Nicodemus just does not get it. It doesn't make sense to him. It's not on his own terms, not in the earthly sense, not here. We really can't blame Nicodemus, though. Perhaps we might have felt the same thing. I don't know. But Jesus is talking spiritual, and when he talks spiritual, it makes all the sense in the world. Born again, because when we come to Christ, when we take Christ in, when we open our hearts to Jesus, we're new. The old is gone, the new has come. It is like, it is not like, it is a rebirth. We are born again. Mm. So Nick asks him again, how can this be? And Jesus says, you're Israel's teacher, and you do not understand these things? And then Jesus continues, John 3, 11 through 17. He says this, he says, I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven in return, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Wow. Wow. This was quite a talk that Nicodemus and Jesus were having in the dark of the night. 
He didn't know what he was getting himself into, did he? No. <laughs> Jesus tells Nicodemus, though, that if he doesn't believe earthly things that Jesus speaks about, how, how is he going to understand spiritual things, heavenly things? And then Jesus even makes an Old Testament reference, which Nicodemus would have been familiar with. He would have been familiar with Moses. But then Jesus continues with perhaps what has become the most well-known verse in Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but save the world. Save the world. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he came for you, Nicodemus. Not to condemn you, Nicodemus, but to save you. Wow, what an assurance. How would Nicodemus, like, take all that in? Well, we're going to find out as this story of Nicodemus as a first responder continues to unroll. Mm -hmm. So the next time we come across Nicodemus, it's in the seventh chapter of the book of John. Let's set the scene. It's during the festival of, of tabernacles, which is one of the three major Jewish festivals where all male, uh, males were commanded to celebrate the feast with a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And so as a result, the city is, well, it's overwhelmed with people. And as a result, Jesus is there teaching many in the temple courts. We pick it up, John 7, 15 through 17. The people were surprised when they heard him, when they heard Jesus. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? They asked. So Jesus told them, my message is not my own. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. And so here we have a great division among the religious people. Jesus was right there, and there's division. And sadly, there has been division ever since. They wondered, is this the Messiah? Who is this guy? And so the, that's what the crowd was wondering. Is this it? Is this who he is? And the Jewish authorities, on the other hand, they felt that they had to seize him. That, but they were unsuccessful because the scripture says Jesus' time had not come. You see, everything was at the appointed time of God the Father, and his time had not come. The Pharisees heard the crowd whisper, whisper, whisper about Jesus. They sent temple guards to arrest him. On the last day of the festival, Jesus, in a loud voice, because there are a lot of people there, in a loud voice, inviting those who were thirsty. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Those who were thirsty come to him and drink. He likes this water image, doesn't he? It's a good image. Some of the people said, surely this man's a prophet. Others said, he's the Messiah. 
Still others wondered, how can the Messiah come from Galilee when the scriptures clearly say he'll come from uh, David's town, which is Bethlehem? The people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one wanted to lay a hand on him. (laughs) Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and 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 the Pharisees who wondered why they hadn't brought Jesus in. The guards said that no one ever spoke the way Jesus did. Picking it up, John 7, 47 through 52. Have you been led astray too? The Pharisees mocked. Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believes in him? This foolish crowd follows him. But they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. Then, who is it? Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing? He asked. They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. Mm. And so here we find Nicodemus once again. And he has moved from asking questions of Jesus to defending Jesus' right to be heard before being condemned. So he's a first responder here, a lone wolf in the wilderness, defending Jesus in the midst of all of his uh, brothers, Pharisaic brothers, the brotherhood. This is gutsy. This is very gutsy. Nicodemus is stepping out in faith, turning from all that is familiar, all that is comfortable, well, turning from everything that was familiar, that was comfortable, because things are changing, aren't they? He's in the process of the rebirth they were talking about that last scripture. Being made new in the image of Christ. Nicodemus is becoming a new man. And so that was chapter 7. We looked at chapter 3 and then chapter 7. We don't hear about Nicodemus again until chapter 19 in John. And this time we see Nicodemus, um, and it's after the death of Jesus, picking it up at verse 38. Afterward... Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the religious authorities, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So Nicodemus joins another first responder Joseph of Arimathea, recovering Jesus' body from the cross, 
preparing it for burial. 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. Who here has carried a sack 75 pounds in the last couple weeks? Then say he has, I can imagine it's... <laughs> That's a heavy bag, 75 pounds, even for the two of them, don't you think? 75 pounds. And these things are expensive. Myrrh is an expensive, expensive uh, resin, I guess it is. And, and these aloes, they were expensive. So not only, he's wealthy in addition to being a Pharisee and part of the Sanhedrin. And so Nick here then has come full circle. From sneaking in at night to talk to Jesus, to, to, to being told he had to be born again, uh, to defending Jesus' right, to, to be heard before being condemned, to boldly giving Jesus a proper burial. Wow. Rather than allowing them to stay on the cross and uh, and what was typical for those on a cross being attacked and, uh, and torn to pieces by dogs or worse. Jesus has had a profound effect on Nicodemus, a life-changing, a turn-your-back-on-what-used-to-be effect on, on Nicodemus, him, transitioning him from this rank-and-file, rule-abiding, by-the-book Pharisee, to a man willing to risk it all. All he had, who he was, who he had been, what he had been, how he was known, risk it all for the sake of Jesus. Risk it all in the process of being born again. Wow. So we come to the question, what about you? What about you? What about, what about me? How, how do you relate to this scripture? Born again. You know, Jesus had a profound effect on Nicodemus, so much so that the old man was gone and he was, in effect, a new man. He was born again. Has Jesus had a profound effect on you? I know he has on me. Some of the things that I held too dearly and some of the ways that I have been uh, unforgiving or bitter or strapped with, with all kinds of things that are so heavy. Jesus' profound effect on me is like, let me take it from you. I'll carry it for you. You are forgiven. You are free. That's what happens when we say yes to the Lord. Yes, you are my Lord and Savior. I'm going to get out of my own way. My plan for myself, I think, is pretty good. But then it doesn't turn out so good. Because your way is always better. And when we surrender and when we submit, and when we lay our own lives aside and say, okay, Jesus, you're it. That's being born again. Let's not overcomplicate it. That's what Jesus offers, a life, a relationship. So that each one of us can be released from those things that hold us down. 
that oppress us. And that passion that we have for Jesus can be used for good, to be a change agent, to be a light in the world. Do we tend to be like Nicodemus and like hide in the dark? Okay, Jesus, I'm yours, but don't, I don't want to tell anybody. Or are we willing to step out into the light and say, yes, yes, Lord, I will defend your holy name. That's each one of our choices. And we hope that your choice is Jesus. He is the chain breaker. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He's a prison breaking Lord. And he gives us freedom. That's what Nicodemus experienced. That's what we can experience. You know, we're here together as the family of God, and each one of us come in with a lot of stuff and a lot of heaviness. And if you want to pray today during our last song or after the worship service is over, there's going to be two places today. Sue is back here on this side, and Diane, I'm going to pick on you. Put your hand up. Diane is a prayer warrior and would also love to pray with you. So whichever side you want to go to. Steps are also open for prayer. God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for this first responder, Nicodemus, for his story, for the way that he came out of the dark and into the light and was willing to stand for you you changed him and you change us lord thank you for your perfect provision thank you for your way that is right it's not always easy but it's right help us live in righteousness holding you as our lord and savior experiencing new life every single day. We thank you, Lord. And I pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302 378 7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.